Welcome to Truly Fit, the online fitness marketplace connecting pros and clients through unique fitness business software. Welcome to the Truly Fit Podcast. I am your host, Steve Washuda, co-founder of Truly Fit and author of Fitness Business 101. On today's podcast, I speak with Haley Kava. Haley is a pelvic floor physical therapist. She also has a podcast called the Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast, where her and her co-host Addie have real, honest, uncensored conversations about all things pelvic health. Uh, Nothing is off limits. It's a fantastic podcast. Very funny. Again, certainly not PG, but it's it's very informational as well. The reason why Haley can have this podcast is because, again, she is a pelvic floor physical therapist. And I talked to her about how exactly you call yourself that. What is the educational route to becoming this? We talk about the muscles and the region that constitutes the pelvic floor exactly, common issues involving pregnancy, uh, what are some common issues in the pelvic floor that don't involve pregnancy, uh, what are some major misconceptions about the region in general, uh, what is something that she wishes every uh, personal trainer would know concerning the pelvic floor that we can better uh, serve our clients with, and just some exercises and tips and cueing that she passes on. It is a fantastic conversation, obviously a very important topic and not something that Uh, Personal trainers are always very in tune with, at least in an in-depth manner. So with no further ado, here is Haley. Haley, thanks for joining the Truly Fit podcast. Why don't you give the audience and the listeners a background on what exactly it is that you do in the health industry? Yes, I'm Haley Kava. I am a pelvic floor physical therapist, um, and I um, work primarily with um, people. females, um, uh, vulva owners, if you will, um, and working with pregnancy, postpartum, pelvic pain, um, and then just sort of chronic pain in, in general. Um, I own uh, Haley Kava PT, and I also have a podcast called the Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast, where again, I talk about all things taboo in pelvic health. What are the muscles and the and in the region that constitute the pelvic floor? Obviously, trainers are familiar with some of those muscles, but we don't know sort of where it stops and where it ends, as far as uh, in in your in your world. Yeah. So so when we get really into the nitty gritty of the pelvic floor muscles, we have three main layers of of the pelvic floor. So we have our superficial pelvic floor muscles, um, which, so, um, we have, um, that's kind of our last stop on controlling our, our pee and controlling our poop and, and sexual function. Um, then we have a middle layer of pelvic floor muscles, which are the pelvic pelvic floor muscles we think of most often when we think about Kegels say, so, um, uh, that's our levator ani group. And that's really, um, there's, it's made up of three muscles that go stretch from the pubic bone in the front to the tailbone in the back. Um, and from the sit bone on each side of the pelvis, um, as well. So it makes sort of like a basket or a bowl. And then we have, or sorry. And in between those two layers, there's a middle layer of pelvic floor muscles that really doesn't get talked about very much at all. Um, but they're supportive and females actually have an extra muscle in there that males do not have, which is, which is kind of cool. Um, and, um, and then we also have the muscles of the pelvic wall and the muscles of the pelvic wall often tend to give us a lot of grief, um, because they try to take over a lot of times when our true pelvic floor muscles, that true levator ani group is not functioning optimally. And so these muscles are obturator internus, which you don't hear about that much and our piriformis, which you hear about all the time. (laughs) 
And so when we're talking about lower back pain or um, pain in the pelvis or pain in the hip, um, you know, or sciatica, right, which we hear about all the time, we get um, a lot of people know to maybe stretch their piriformis. Um, but a lot of times low back pain and pelvic floor dysfunction are linked. Uh, the statistic is pretty insane. Uh, I think it's like 75% of people with low back pain have pelvic floor dysfunction. And so that's that um, accessory muscles to the pelvic floor. So the obturator internus in the, in the piriformis um, should always be considered um, when we're talking about the pelvic floor as well. All of our other deep hip rotators that run with our piriformis, so our um, um, glute med, our glomelis, uh, um, oh my gosh, all those little tiny hip muscles that you, your glute, um, your glute max, your glute meat, like all those other hip muscles, they are really close to the pelvic floor. Um, so our hamstrings attach on the pelvis, our inner thighs attach on the pelvis, our abdominal muscles attach on the pelvis. And so we absolutely want to be thinking about all those muscles. And if those muscles have dysfunction that we want to maybe also be thinking about the pelvic floor muscles. Well, if anybody thought that you don't need a pelvic floor specialist or there doesn't need to be a specialist involving the pelvic floor, they now have been convinced otherwise uh, <laughs> after, after that description of all of those muscles, uh, many of which I've never heard of, and then many of which I didn't know constituted still the pelvic floor region. But it makes sense, obviously, right? A lot of these muscles are interconnected and in, in, in the area, and obviously muscles above and below affect the actions of muscles they attach to. So um, with that being said, what is the educational route to becoming a pelvic floor specialist? Yeah, so so there um, specifically for physical therapists, um, mm -hmm. we can take um, a couple different routes of of learning. So uh, Herman and Wallace is a continuing education company, um, and I believe Evidence in Motion is is coming up now with some more um, pelvic floor continuing ed. Um, but basically, once you're a physical therapist, um, there is no real specific rules on who can call themselves a pelvic floor physical therapist or just a regular physical therapist, um, which is sometimes a bit of a problem. Um, but um, basically, um, in those pelvic floor specific courses, you learn how to directly evaluate the pelvic floor muscles finger to uh, insert into the vaginal or rectal openings um, and really evaluate how those, how those muscles work. So it was a very kind of personal evaluation and that um, we also, so that's our sort of micro view of those muscles as well as um, other continuing education courses. So I study postural restoration, um, which is again, like a subspecialty of physical therapy where we want to take that macro view of the whole body and how the relationship of the pelvic floor and the diaphragm and the rest of the body is influencing those pelvic floor muscles directly. So, so uh, you would take um, the specific pelvic floor education that would allow you to be able to do an internal muscle evaluation. Um, and then to me, that then designates you as a pelvic floor physical therapist. There are all sorts of courses you can take um, as a coach or as a, a trainer um, to become proficient in understanding the, um, the role of the pelvic floor and maybe the implications of pregnancy and postpartum have on the floor, uh, on the pelvic floor and the rest of the body. Um, 
And so there are plenty of pelvic floor specialists who don't do internal evaluations. Um, but personally, I think that if you're going to sort of call yourself a pelvic floor physical therapist, you should be able to, to get in there and really see those muscles directly. Well, staying on that topic, you just mentioned pregnancy. What are the most common issues involving pregnancy that you can pass on to personal trainers? I should say maybe postpartum uh, that we should be aware of. So, so specifically in postpartum? Yes. Yeah. So specifically in postpartum, um, the sort of hot button issues, the issues you hear about all the time are going to be diastasis recti, um, stress urinary incontinence, um, maybe fecal incontinence and, uh, um, and then pelvic organ prolapse. Uh, and that would be like feeling heaviness or pressure in the, in the pelvis, as well as low back pain, uh, hip pain, pubic pain that maybe didn't go away with at the end of pregnancy, because a lot of women get told, oh, all of these issues that you have going on in pregnancy are just going to go away postpartum. We also want to um, make sure we're evaluating things like perineal injury. So if someone experienced a um, laceration of their perineum during childbirth, or if they experienced a C-section, looking at the healing of that um, incision and that scar and, and how that's all um, healing and recovering. Yeah. I'm dealing with that now. My wife is six weeks exactly today uh, oh. post C-section with our first mm -hmm. and um, you know, she'll be going to the doctors tomorrow to, you know, look at the scar and all of that, but she, you know, yeah. she still has a few, she healed up very quickly, but a few minor issues is like, you know, she feels as if she doesn't know that her bladder is full when it is full. Yeah. Um, yeah things, things of that nature. And obviously, you know, everyone has their own individual problems. And that was specifically, um, you gave some great elaborations and, and issues with postpartum. Are there any things that people should be concerned with, uh, during pregnancy uh, or uh, as opposed to post-pregnancy? Um, yeah, I think, I think, uh, again, it's the more comfortable you can be, the better your mobility, the, um, more aware you are of your pelvic floor. A lot of times the, the easier that that transition into postpartum is because it's a pretty intense shift. And, but unfortunately what tends to happen a lot is um, we, women get told, Oh, pregnancy is just uncomfortable. Um, deal with it. Or, Oh, you're, you're leaking when you sneeze or you're having to pee all the time. Oh, well, that should get better once the baby comes. And, and unfortunately that's not, <laughs> that's not true. And um, we, we know in orthopedic world, the orthopedic world, um, you know, you wouldn't send somebody into ACL surgery without doing prehab. Right. Exactly. And so same thing with after birth, whether it's a, a C-section, whether it's a vaginal birth, um, we want to give people the tools to know how to start to approach their rehabilitation before and uh, as well as what to do right, right from day zero post-op or post-birth, um, because that's really, that's really important. Yeah. And to just speak to that, we had um, Nikki Bergen on of the Bell Method, and she was talking about how a lot of people who are, you know, really big into fitness find it difficult to just do small things. Whereas in, you know, they're used to doing these very difficult workouts and then they sort of get held up. But it is important that when we're working with our clients as personal trainers, that 
that we start them off very light. So if it's just small things like doing bridges in bed um, or obviously Kegels or leg lifts or just, you know, rolling out of bed by using their abs and, and things mm-hmm. of that nature where we, where we start them off v- very slowly, but we still give them a regimen to do of exercises when yeah. they're, when they're coming out of pregnancy. Yeah, you, I, I, exactly. We don't want to, um, the sort of concept of you give birth, do nothing for six weeks. And then six weeks is this magical date that everything is going to be better. And you can go back to what you want to do is insane. Um, if you do nothing and you lay in bed and do no muscle activation, you know, just bed rest, um, your muscle mass globally in your whole body decreases, I think at 3% a day. And so, um, even a healthy person, we take someone who did not have a baby, did, you know, normal, healthy, even male. Um, and they, they lay in bed for six weeks. Um, it's actually going to be a process, a rehabilitation process to get them back to where they, they'd want to be, or maybe where they were before that started. And so we have to have similar, um, yeah, slow return postpartum, but also maybe not have it be a complete bed rest situation. Um, and so, um, those movements that support healing, um, in the early postpartum, like, yeah, breathing, connecting to your breath, connecting to your pelvic floor, um, yeah, supporting scar recovery, all, all of those types of things are really important. Yeah. And to speak to something you said earlier about in the orthopedics, how they have a regimen for pre-op, right? Well, in post-op, yeah. Now, nowadays, you get you a, a, a bilateral hip replacement. Well, guess what? That in two hours after the surgery, you're up mm-hmm. and walking. So yep. it's, it's kind of no different uh, as far insofar as pregnancy. It, it essentially is a surgery, even if it's not, right? It's mm-hmm. wh- whether you're having it uh, vaginally or, or C-section, it is a traumatic experience where those muscles are being uh, you know, sort of traumatized in the same way they would be during a surgery. And the last thing you want to do is just sit around for six weeks. I know that's, yeah. that seems like, obviously that's, this is going to lead into my next question. That is the, uh, sometimes the recommendation of, let's say like the OB or somebody, but mm-hmm. it seems though, at least in the people that I've talked to, that it's very difficult to get in to see somebody who does what you do unless there is a major issue. Am I wrong on that? And, and how does somebody circumvent that? If, you know, let's say my wife wanted to see pelvic floor mm-hmm. specialist via insurance, is there a way in which you can, that you can easily do that? Or is it just like, you have to have a major issue? No, I, I think that is beginning to change. And I think what's partially responsible for that is that women aren't just going, listening to their the provider that says, oh yeah, do nothing and you'll be fine or peeing your pants is normal. They're actually seeking more information. And so um, people, influencers like Nikki, Nikki Bergen are like huge for helping women realize that they can get more support in the absence of major issues. So you don't have to have you know, a fourth degree tear um, all the way to, you know, from front all the way to back. Um, in order to get physical therapy, um, it's starting to become more the, the standard, the, the, um, area that I just, um, moved from there. Um, one of the women's health departments just got approved for two full-time pelvic floor PTs. Um, and every single postpartum patient will be seeing pelvic floor PT now as the standard. Um, and I think that is, um, hopefully the way that we will continue to go. Um, in your state, depending on your state, 
physical therapists have direct access. And in Canada, physical therapists have direct access. So you actually don't need permission from your doctor to go see a pelvic floor PT. Now, I believe in Minnesota that I just moved to after 90 days of treatment, you may, um, I've got to double check on that. <laughs> um, so different states will have different funny rules like that, um, but most states have direct access. So you can actually go directly to your physical therapist, depending on your insurance. Um, and that would be definitely something you'd want to check in with your insurance on. They may require a referral, but I, in general, I'm finding that most don't require referral for physical therapy, or you can do so many sessions before a, um, referral is necessary. And well, so I'm very glad to hear if that's becoming the norm, because it seems that, uh, it, it should be, should be quite obvious after that sort of, you know, traumatic experience that one would see a, a, a specialist before they are kind of released, uh, in, in back into working out. Yeah, I, I joke that, you know, our our diaphragm, our, our rib cage, our spine, our pelvis is like the chassis of the car, right? And so if you, um, you know, our arms and our legs are just the tires. And if, you, you know, you sprain your ankle, that's like, you, you know, you need some rehabilitation, but that's like just rehabilitating the tire. It's not really that essential. It's essential, but not really. Like what happens to the midsection of our body that holds us, holds us up. Um, we can't ignore that because once the alignment of your car, the, the chassis of your car is kind of messed up, not messed up is not the right term, but, um, you know, it has experienced some changes that if it doesn't get the, the support that it needs, then it could be long-term, long-term problems. Yeah, I had a, a double inguinal hernia uh, surgery probably close to three years ago now. But, mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, I still have no pain, but I still have, uh, you know, my uh, my adductors had atrophied during that time. And, and mm -hmm. they've, they've, they've never quite built back up the same way, no matter mm -hmm. what I've done. And I, I, I certainly still they're still, um, you know, post op ramifications. I'm not 100 mm -hmm. percent from from that surgery. And, and again, yeah. that's that's probably not uh, as, as damaging as a, a very, uh, bad pregnancy, someone having twins or something, something of that nature. So. Yeah. You could probably benefit from some public floor PT. <laughs> yeah. So sounds like it. <laughs> so we talked about, uh, some of these things, these, these sort of like misconceptions. Are there, is there anything else like floating out out there in the IG world or just kind of like old antiquated knowledge that people think is like the right thing to do or something that is important with the pelvic floor that's not anything that you can think of? Um, so obviously you're, you're sort of classic, like it's normal to pee your pants, you know, it's normal to have pain with sex, you know, those kinds of things. I think those myths are becoming more and more dispelled. I think something that we battle in the physical therapy world in general, and, and maybe even more so in public health, is this idea that um, being like an isolationist in terms of how we treat people. So um, if you go to a pelvic floor physical therapist and you lay on it and receive um, biofeedback, so you essentially have a probe inserted into your body and you lay there and do Kegels, um, that's 
not pelvic floor physical therapy, <laughs> um, or you go to your doctor's office and you pay $5,000 to sit on a chair, a Kegler chair that uses electromagnetic forces to contract your pelvic floor. Again, that's not pelvic floor physical therapy. And, you know, probably isn't really going to give you the benefits that you need and that you can get from a comprehensive um, evaluation by a um, provider who's taken more continuing education and, and taken more of these courses so that we can integrate the whole, the whole body and, and respect that the pelvic floor doesn't work alone. Um, and oh, that it's great. not, that's great information. I think, you know, for the personal trainers to be able to, you know, when their clients are coming back post-pregnancy to be able to ask them, Hey, have you seen somebody, have you seen a specialist? And for them mm -hmm. to sort of respond with, yes, I I've seen a specialist and they tell them what they went through. And then we can say, well, no, you thought you saw a specialist, but, yeah. you, actually, but, but you actually didn't because they weren't looking at you individually. They were just I, throwing I, a generalized routine at you that they would have done to anybody. And, you know, if, if you're yeah. having problems X, Y, and Z, we probably need you to go see a specialist before you start up back with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, um, it's, yeah, it's more common than you think. I, I, I see a lot of clients who come to see me usually virtually who have been in pelvic floor PT for months and months and what they've done in months and months at, you know, spending, you know, a lot of money is yeah, essentially lay on a table. And again, with, say ACL rehab, for example, we, you know, you would, we know that laying someone on the table doing leg squeezes, just sort of squeezing your quad muscle, um, isn't going to make someone actually stronger. <laughs> you know, it may be an important part of the rehabilitation process initially, but we know we have to get people off the table and load them and, um, challenge them with resistance and, dynamic movements. And so the, the pelvic floor and the recovering postpartum body is, is the same way. Um, you know, Wolf's law, you know, the, we, our body responds to the demands we put on it. And so if, you know, motherhood in general, the demands are much greater than just laying there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you have to wake up every uh, two and a half hours and pick, uh, six to 12 pound baby up, then, uh, that's, yeah. that's already doing more than just laying in bed, obviously. Yep. Yep. Um, exactly. So what are the, what are some of the, uh, common issues that do not involve pregnancy? Maybe even something, uh, with a male. Yeah. So, um, so the, the main, so if we kind of back up to the, the functions of the pelvic floor are, um, it's sphincteric. So again, controlling pee, poop, farts, um, the, um, it's support. So again, um, heaviness. So feeling, um, prolapse, maybe hemorrhoids, maybe, um, varicosity. So sometimes pregnant women get varicose veins in their, their vulvas. Um, it could be, um, painful intercourse, um, or trouble with orgasm or arousal or things like that. Um, uh, it could be cyclical pain in women. So if they're having pain, pain, extremely painful periods, um, sometimes that's muscularly related. Um, again, pain in the pelvis, pelvic girdle pain, SI joint pain, low back pain, hip pain, and um, hernias, uh, inguinal hernias, um, umbilical hernias, um, rib pain, thoracic pain, all of those things are so connected to the pelvic floor that we, 
they're worthy of being addressed sometimes by a pelvic floor physical therapist. We talk a lot about Pilates on this podcast, not on purpose. It's just, it just happens. Yeah. Um, I have a background in it and I've obviously interviewed a lot of people on here who have a background in it. And, uh, you know, I'll just add that as far as exercise is concerned, it's something uh, you, obviously we can't have our clients jump into it when they're pregnant. We're not supposed to introduce new activities all the time, but um, it, it's, it is great for them to do some version of this, whether it's floor, especially reformer, um, girls and guys, because it just gives you a better sense of activating some of these muscles. And I think, it, you know, personal trainers have a, a lot of, you know, when someone like you just mentioned, like if there's like SI issues, the first thing we do is like, okay, we're going to stretch. Like it's always big muscles, right? It's like, oh, we're going to stretch your hamstrings. We're going to stretch your quads out. We're going to make sure that everything's even on both sides. It's, you know, but it's like, well, no, a lot of times it's the smaller muscles, right? It's like mm-hmm. sort of like your, your global core. And yeah. I think, you know, it's, it, it, it's part of it is just the, the education, having, having a little bit of background in, in these modalities that focus on smaller muscles is going to help you see the bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually, um, the new space that I'll be working in is actually a Pilates studio. So I'm excited. I'm going to be learning a whole lot about, about Pilates coming up. I've never used a reformer, so it's like a beautiful studio full of reformers. So I'm, I'm pumped. (laughs) Well, you have a a distinct advantage given your knowledge of the uh, core and pelvis region. So I think you'll, uh, you'll, you'll do, you'll do great. And it's, it's really fun. I think uh, there's, yeah, my, uh, I teach Pilates on the reformer. I kind of do it my own way. A lot of classical Pilates, they, there's a lot of cueing going on. It's nonstop mm-hmm. and it's a lot of talking. And I, I like to let my clients sort of relax into the exercises and enjoy it a little bit more. So I don't talk as much as some of the other teachers and, and cue as much, but uh, it, anyway, it, you're going to find your own style and your own way of going about oh, cool. it. And there's literally a zillion exercises you can do and nothing is more interesting than spring tension. Uh, if you've never used it before, maybe not you particularly, but when you're working with new clients, I find that it doesn't matter if I'm working with a six, four, 230 pound bodybuilder male, or, you know, a 110 mm-hmm. pound female, they just, it's, it's such a different modality using the springs and, you know, using lightweight to challenge yourself more, which you do with the springs is, is just a, such a unique concept. Yeah. Yeah. Um, everyone, you know, everyone has a pelvic floor and being able to integrate how the pelvic floor is supposed to function with our um, core and with our muscles of our hip and our lower body and our upper body. Um, yeah. Like your ability to maximize benefits of exercise in general goes, goes way up. So whether or not someone is in the, the window of maybe who is higher risk of, of having pelvic floor dysfunction, I think it, you start to be able to appreciate um, the whole body biomechanics better when you understand how the pelvic floor functions. And so um, the more comfortable we get talking about it, I think the easier it becomes to integrate that into your programs with, with clients, um, whether or not they're specifically there for pelvic floor problems or not. Totally. I echo those thoughts and, and staying on that topic, as far as maybe exercises you use or tips or even like a, a cueing uh, verbiage that you use to help clients. Do you have any tips for personal trainers to pass on when they're doing pelvic floor related things? Yeah, I think one of the big things is to remember is that the pelvic floor has to go through a full range of motion. 
So it just like our biceps, it can, if you just do in your curls at the top, um, you might have be able to lift a lot of weight. Um, but then you go to reach for your coffee cup and you can't, <laughs> can't extend your elbow and that's a problem. And that's typically what tends to happen with pelvic floors is that we get into these habits of yeah, Kegel, Kegel, tighten it, tighten it. Uh, we're gripping, we're squeezing, we're tucking everything. And um, we don't ever get that lengthening, that eccentric phase. And so the strength coaches will know is that we get more hypertrophy when we actually um, control eccentrics, right? So the negative is harder on our muscle. We get more muscle, muscle um, breakdown and, and builds bigger, stronger muscles. And so actually, um, cueing the lengthening of the pelvic floor muscles as you go through range of motion. Um, so simple example is when you go and do a, say a squat, right? So when you come down into your squat, you should be able to sense that your glutes are lengthening and that also that your pelvic floor is lengthening. And then as you Turn around and stand back up that you can potentially coordinate contraction and lift of your pelvic floor as you stand up. So it's working together with the hip and the hamstrings and the quad. It's working together with the whole, the whole system. Um, but sometimes we have to, when people have pelvic floor dysfunction, we have to give them a little bit more reference. And I think that's also where reformers and spring tension can be really, really helpful. Um, because it's giving people a little bit more sense of the unit, you know, what's going on versus just sort of having no tension on, um, but also giving them reference, like maybe a ball between their knees or um, um, something like that, because our adductors and our anterior pelvic floor, a little bit more adduction, it sometimes allows the pelvic floor to feel a little bit more supported so that it's comfortable getting longer. Does that make sense? That's some, a little bit of a weird concept, but if you think about a pelvic floor that's healing, um, or imagine you had a cut on your bicep, you would be a little bit nervous about relaxing it and stretching the, that, that bicep muscle because it's injured. And so when we use something like, um, a, a yoga block, say, or a ball between knees, it's like putting a hand over that, that bicep. And so that now it feels a little bit safer. It feels a little bit more comfortable um, to get that lengthening phase. So, so that tip would be give that, give people a little bit more external reference if they're struggling early on. Um, yeah. So ball between knees or band around knees. I don't love that as much as ball between knees, but again, it's, it's some sort of external feedback, um, to help them be able to figure out where that pelvic floor is. That external feedback could also be pressure on the perineum. So you could be sitting on a ball. You could, um, um, you could have a hand on your perineum, you know, you could not, maybe not you as the, the, the strength coach, but the, have the, the client do that them, themselves. And that sometimes helps people connect to those, those muscles that they maybe aren't so familiar with. I think that's a fantastic tip. And yeah, it, it does make sense to me. I think, you know, having the, you know, the sort of the, the neural pathways be built through the efferent afferent neurons through some sort of ex, external stimuli it mm-hmm. needs to be there sometimes, right? Cause you don't have it yet, right? If you've, if mm-hmm. you've never controlled some of these 
smaller muscles and work through the full range of motion, you're, you're going to need kind of assistance in doing it. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of, because our pelvic floor are postural muscles, we often don't check it, clue in with them as often as we maybe would sense and feel like our quads, for example, like a bigger muscle. And so, um, in the postpartum period, we're then hyper aware of our pelvic floor and core muscles because something dramatic has just happened to them. But for the general population or maybe someone further along in their rehab, um, yeah, they maybe have kind of checked out on those muscles again and, and started more compensation. And so bringing that attention you know, back into um, how it's moving with movement and with the breath and all that. So another really big, important thing when someone's starting early on, it becomes less important as they move further on in their rehab or in their, their strength programming is that when we inhale, we want to allow that eccentric phase to happen and then exhale, get adding that concentric, that, that contract and lift and squeeze or squeeze and lift. Um, because a lot of times when, again, especially when we have something dysfunctional happening in the pelvic floor, either it wants to be tight all the time, or it will do the reverse of that. So we'll breathe in and we'll feel that pressure on the pelvic floor. So it will tighten against the inhale, and then we're creating more pressure and more tension on the, on the pelvic floor, which doesn't not helpful. And then when we exhale and we relax, we think, Oh, okay, I'm just gonna relax everything. Um, but that's not how that whole system should optimally be working together. Haley, this has been fantastic information. Where can everyone find you if they're looking for tips concerning the pelvic floor, if they want to reach out to you and actually work with you, if they have questions for you personally, where's the best medium to find Haley? Yeah. So I, um, my website is haleykavapt.com. Um, uh, and then at my Instagram is kind of where I tend to hang out the most. And my handle is at Haley Kava PT, H-A-Y-L-E-Y. Um, and, um, and then on my, on my podcast that I do with my good friend, Addie Holzman, who's also a public floor PT, it's called the don't beat around the bush podcast. And we definitely get into all of the, the nitty gritty deep kind of fun details. Oh, fun. It's all fun, but, um, we get it really into it, um, on there without holding back or censoring ourselves whatsoever. <laughs> I was going to say, I recommend that podcast, but uh, beware. It's a little bit less PG than this one. So yeah, yeah, you will get to know more than you want to know about me, but that's all right. It's in all in the, it's all in the name of normalizing. <laughs> well, Haley, thank you so much for joining the truly fit podcast. And I hope to have you on down the road, uh, turning another topic uh, in the public floor area. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Truly Fit Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review on your listening platform, and feel free to email us. We'd love to hear from you. Social at trulyfit.app. Thanks again.